As the new year draws closer, I'm reminded of the fact that we are one year closer to one of two things, the day of our death or the day of the Lord's return. And that's the fact. Another year, maybe 2018, will be the year that the Lord returns and we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. As we find in the book of 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And since we are one year closer to that day when our final destiny will be forever determined, then let me use this opportunity tonight to provoke your thinking as to how you have used this past year and maybe suggest how you ought to use the coming year. Somebody say amen. So I have a goal tonight to encourage each of us to make better use of the time we have left and to prepare us for the day of reckoning that awaits us and it surely is coming just like New Year's Day is coming. So let's begin by asking ourselves in the past year, everybody say a look back. Let's look back for a moment and let's ask ourselves this very important question. And ask it of yourselves. Has my relationship with God improved? In 2017, has my relationship with God improved? You say, well, I'm not sure I understand that question. Well, let me translate it. Take it out of the KJV and put it in the central Illinois version. Have you drawn nearer to God in 2017? If you're not sure, then I think you've got an answer. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says this, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, the moment we step toward God is the minute God steps to us. So drawing near to God is, first of all, our responsibility. Somebody say amen. Bearing in mind that a close relationship depends on good communication. You can't be in relationship with something you don't communicate with. Somebody say amen. Have you ever noticed out in the desert, uh, in the uh, desert area, these, uh, these uh, huge uh, satellite receivers pointed out into outer space? We've got telescopes that are pointed into the, the, the wild blue yonder, and uh, we're listening and we're watching. You see, there's something uh, to say for communication. Uh, whether it's with satellites that are unmanned or with a space station that is manned, when you lose communication, you're in serious trouble. With ships at sea, with airplanes that fly in our skies and there are ways for them to signal a tower or signal uh, the radio that's in a, a control tower that they've lost communication. There's a, a, a code that they can squawk that they have lost their radio and every other airplane is, uh, is, is secondary to the one that has lost communication. See, God doesn't want to lose communication with any of us. 
and communication uh, is is a, a relationship is determined by communication. So, if we are going to answer, have we drawn nearer to God in 2017? I think that leads to a question we ought to ask ourselves that says, Have we been listening to God through His Word? Because God speaks to us. And he doesn't always speak to us by a spiritual gift. In fact, the best way that we know he has spoken to us is through the word of God. So if God is saying things to me, I want to make sure that I'm listening. So I want to spend time in the word of God. I think that's very important. In fact, I think it's, well, I can't. For lack of a better term, I think it's crazy to keep asking God to write stuff in the sky or to write stuff on a billboard or to say something to me audibly when he's already said it in his word. This is a fact. In fact, if you have not spent time in his word or maybe you never have, let let me honestly say that you are taking your relationship with God for granted. His word is very special to our lives and should be. Somebody say amen. In fact, I would challenge you to read through the Word of God, and I'll say more about that in just a moment. But if a relationship is determined by communication, I think His Word, we ought to examine where we are in the Word in 2017. I think we ought to examine where we are in prayer in 2017 because prayer is talking with God. Communication requires a two-way street. Now, I may be studying the Bible and reading the Bible, but am I talking to God? Am I casting my care on Him? Am I praying? Uh, Has my degree of prayerfulness increased or decreased in this past year? I think it's important we ask ourselves that. Somebody say amen. I think also... Secondly, not only has our relationship with God improved, I think we ought to ask ourselves, has our relationship with our brothers improved? Has your love for one another increased in 2017? Has your love for the body of Christ increased in 2017? If it hasn't, I think you ought to look back and examine why. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9, Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica says, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. In other words, you know how you ought to be treating one another. I don't need to go into a discourse about how to love one another. You have no need that I write to you about this. For you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. If you've got the Lord, you don't need a class on how to love each other. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. I'm not talking about somebody teaching you how to do that. Paul said if you've got the Lord, then you've got the ability to love somebody. Somebody say amen. Verse 10, and indeed you do it toward all the brethren. Somebody say all the brethren. Now that's a very important phrase. Paul said don't leave anybody out. Don't let your love be predicated on skin color or or, uh, affluence or how much money somebody has or uh, how much longevity somebody has. Paul said love all the brethren. Somebody say all the brethren. 
Oh, but that's my family. Oh, but love all their brethren, which are in all Macedonia. But I beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Now, that's a very important phrase. He said, don't let just love them like you loved them last year. Let your love increase more and more. Are we closer to one another than we were a year ago? Have we been in the homes of one another? Do we even know that person's name? Have you noticed that there's new people that are born into the family of God? Do you even know who they are? Come on, I'm asking you, are we closer to one another? Into Well, they're not important. I am because I've been here long. Oh, no. Paul said, love all the brethren, and as you do that, let it increase more and more. Somebody say amen. We'll talk about that a little more as we look into the future. Thirdly, has my relationship with those that are not saved or those in the world or those that are lost improved? Have I, in coming to God, have I pulled away? And I know separation is a part of it, but is my relationship with those that do not know the Lord, is it better? It ought to be better because I know the Lord. My neighbors ought to be glad I know the Lord. My coworkers ought to be glad I know the Lord. Somebody say amen. As the people of God, we have an important responsibility toward those in the world, the Bible calls it. In fact, Matthew 5 verse 13 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're the salt. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're the light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. No, the reason you light a candle is to put it on a candlestick so you can see what's in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Now, this is an important verse for people that say works don't matter. Paul said, or Jesus said in Matthew 5, that your good works need to be seen of other people who are in darkness. Don't let people tell you you're just trying to be religious. You're just trying to make me feel bad. No, Jesus said, you put your light on a candle and don't you candlestick and don't be embarrassed because you've got the Lord in your life. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Don't be embarrassed that God has made a difference in your life. Hey, young people, don't hang your head at school when they're talking about where they went on the weekend and how high they got. Don't hang your head. Let your light shine that they may see. Oh, you're not. I think it's all right for us. We should not be proud because we're just sinners saved by the grace of God. But we also not, ought to not walk around saying, well, I don't want anybody to think I'm better than it. Wait a minute. I've got Jesus in my life, and that is light. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord right now. Amen. So how have we progressed this year in developing meaningful relationships with people that do not know the Lord. In fact, the Lord said you are salt and you are light. So the questions I'm raising can be summarized in this way. Another year has gone by. Have we made good use of the time that God has given us or have we wasted time? 
It's likely that all of us in some degree have not made good use of the 360 plus days we've had to this point. But at this point, I think it's important we all apply the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 where he says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Notice I haven't made it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. With that kind of attitude of pressing forward, Paul says we ought to forget what's behind, but we ought to press for the great call of God that's come to us. I don't believe we've had our greatest revival. I don't believe we individually have had our greatest move of God. We're still here. Let's make next year count. Let's reach for a higher call. Come on, let's come to church expecting greater things. Is that all right? So let's, as we've looked back, has my relationship, how's my relationship with God? Has it improved? How's my relationship with God's people? How's my relationship with people that do not know God? I think it's important if we're going to look ahead. Everybody say, look ahead. I think it's important that we resolve, and you'll hear these words in the next few days resolutions, losing weight. Well, Who doesn't need that resolution after Christmas? I mean, I got a sister that battles diabetes and she brought so many sweets. I don't know. She must have been trying to commit suicide or something if she ate all that stuff. But then she brought it to us and we were eating it. Well, the Bible says something about that. If you can't keep yourself from eating all those humdingers, You ought to put a knife to your throat. (laughs) When you get to the point where you say, man, I'm going to have to loosen my belt, you ought to probably reach for the knife. (laughs) Not to butter some more bread. (laughs) Bible says if you're battling with gluttony, put a knife to your throat. Now, that'll wake you up real fast. I'm feeling conviction right now. I'm feeling like we probably ought to have the altar call and just put a bunch of plastic knives up here. That may be a good thing to send everybody home with on this Sunday service. Everybody take a plastic knife home. No. I think it's important we resolve to do, do some things. Lose weight, uh, you know, projects around your house. Be more organized. How many is resolved to be more organized? And then about 30 days go by and you say, oh, fooey with organization. I don't like it anyway. <laughs> about 15 days and, you know, I'm going to lose weight. And sure enough, the church calls a prayer and fasting revival. About two days into that, it's like who needs to fast anyway? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a lot of resolve that's going to be happening here in the next week or so. And so as we look forward, I think in these three areas, we need to have some resolve. We all need to have some resolve to draw nearer to God in 2018. To say, you know what, I'm thankful for what God's done in my life, but I don't want to live here and keep going in circles here. I want God to take me somewhere else. I want God to do something greater in my life. 
Come on, that ought to be a desire in you, something, a resolve that says, I want more of God. And in that regard, as we have kind of uh, systematically went through here, let me say that it's very important if you want to draw nearer to God that you read the Word of God every day. Every day. Would you resolve? Here we are just a few days away. It would be good for you to resolve. And and I know, I'm not asking you to read the whole Bible in one day. Man, if you just start with one verse every day. Man, anybody can do one verse every day, and you'd have 365 verses. That, that may be more than you read this year, so it's not a bad thing. I, I know you didn't read through the whole Bible, but at least you read some of it. You say, well, I can't read all of that stuff. Well, just start by doing what you can do. It's amazing how God will give you love for it as you enter into it. Somebody say Amen. Hebrews 4 and 12, look at this. For the word of God, everybody say the word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing, listen to this, of soul and spirit. Now that's right down to the middle of who you are. In fact, when God breathed into man, he became a living soul. The word of God has the ability to to divide down between what is spiritual and what is soulish. The word has the ability to get down between your heart, your soul, and your spirit, so to speak. And the Bible says of the joints and and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents are the motives of the heart. Listen, it shouldn't be the preacher that's always getting your attention. You should have something going between your soul and spirit every day. Don't just wait for the preacher to step on your toes. I've shooken guys' hands out. In fact, last week I was shaking Brother Mike's hand. He stepped forward and I stepped forward and he stepped right on my toes. And he's, oh, sorry for stepping on your toes. And when that happens, I used to say, well, sorry, I step on yours too sometimes. So... Preacher can step on toes and he don't even know it. But I think it's very important that we recognize the word of God's power to get down to where I live. I want to say something to you. There are times that I don't have time to get to the church service next Sunday. I need God to speak to me right now. Hey, I've been in situations where I didn't know which end was up and I needed the word of God right then. I didn't have time to wait till Wednesday night Bible study. That's why we need a fresh touch of God's word every day. Read it. Read it. Resolve to read it. Now, I want want to encourage you with something too. All this hogwash, thank God. I'm not sure what hogwash is. But I want you to look. There's people that say, oh, don't mess with the Old Testament. Don't, don't even read that. Well, you need your head examined. And, and you say, well, I'm not sure. Well, let me give you some scripture. Romans 15 and 4. Romans 15 4. This is Paul. Now, I'm, I'm not, you'd probably argue with me because most of you have. <laughs> the ones I don't think you have, you have behind my back. Anyway, no, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just a man. I put my pants on just like the rest. Well, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe I ought to run across the room and jump in them so I can say I put my pants on different than you. I don't know. Isn't it crazy where your mind goes when you're in front of everybody? 
I put my pants on just like everybody else. Oh, yeah? How do you put yours on? <laughs> well, we're not going to get in that discussion. <laughs> For those listening on the podcast, we're fixing to move right along. This is not going to need to be edited. Romans 15 and 4. Uh, Paul, I'm not sure you'd argue with Paul. He was a pretty smart fellow, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so he kind of knew what he was talking about. So if you don't take my word for it, listen to what Paul said for Chapter 15, verse 4 of Romans. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now remember, he's writing to the church at Rome. The New Testament wasn't even written. He was in fact writing it. What he's talking about is the Old Testament. He said what was written before time was written for your learning. You ought to glean something from the Old Testament. So Paul is saying to the early church, don't leave out reading those old scriptures because they will give you comfort. I think it's okay to read the story of Job, especially when you're having trouble. It'll give you comfort. Somebody say, well, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, Paul again to the Corinthian church. Now all these things happen to them. He's talking about those Old Testament characters for in samples. Notice that word. It's not examples. It's in samples. You know that word in the original, the word picture is of the minting of a coin. It's a soft metal and an impression is made on that soft metal. The image of a king or the image of an emperor is stamped into that soft metal. That's the word picture for that word right there. And it says these things happened to them for in sample. Something was going on besides the furnace and the fire and the trial God was stamping his image when you read the Old Testament you ought to recognize that God dealt with impatience and God reached for people and they turned their back but he kept on reaching and he divided the Red Sea for them and they complained about it and he fed them with manna and they complained about it and their shoes never wore out it tells me that God was up to something so read it Man, we wouldn't have to have a worship service if you'd read some of those stories. You'd come to church so fired up. You wouldn't have time to gripe about whether we sang from the hymnal or we sang one of those old new songs and we don't even know what they're you would You wouldn't have time for all that foolishness. Wouldn't matter who's on the drums or the keyboard or the organ or who's, whether they've got their part or not. You feasted on the word. You know that God is faithful. These things are written for your admonition. For you to learn from. That's what that says. God made them in samples. He impressed himself on them. And that's written for your admonition. You ought to learn something from this. When you're complaining, you need to read the Old Testament. Start in Exodus. And God will show you how he dealt with complaining people. You'll say, oh God, don't let me be like that. So all this frou-frou, fra-fra, it's the best way to describe it, this 21st century theology that says, oh, there's nothing in the New Testament for us. Well, 
you're contradicting the word of Scripture where Paul says what's written about those people was written to give you admonition. Read it. Well, Brother Gene, I can't read too good. Well, you know what? At one time, God winked at ignorance. Okay, well, you can't read. Okay, well, okay. Well, you know what? Now they've got the Bible on CD. they got Bible apps. that are Not even CD anymore. You don't even have to have a CD player anymore. Everybody's got a cell phone. It'll read it to you. And while you got your earphones in listening to Jay-Z, maybe when you get to heaven and he says, well, hey, all this stuff you were listening to, why couldn't you listen to my word? Oh, I know. It's, yeah, yeah, well, anyway. First, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14, look at this. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. You know what they're talking about? The Old Testament. New Testament hadn't been put together yet. As a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. Don't let anybody tell you a portion of this is irrelevant. Don't let any, I don't care how many initials they've got after their name or how many doctorates they've got and where they went to school. Don't let anybody tell you that some of this Scripture is not for you. Paul said it to Timothy. Don't let anybody tell. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's good for you, but with doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction. All scripture. Somebody shout, all scripture. You know why? Verse 17 tells you why. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. You know what? Maybe we'll start being what we're supposed to be if we do what we're supposed to do. Get in the Word. And don't just read the story of Luke 2, which is good. Luke 2 and the Christmas story is great. But if you just keep reading that, you're going to miss a lot of extra. Somebody say amen. Read the New Testament also. It's very, very important. James chapter 1, verse 21. Look at what James says. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Everybody say engrafted word. This is very important. This is not just written word. This is engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. And look what he says in verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. So James is now going from the Old Testament, which is written word, to now they're listening to something. And he said, don't just be a hearer. When the preacher preaches out of the word and he expounds on the word, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of what you're hearing. That word is able to save your soul. Somebody say amen. Not only should we read the word, everybody say read the word. I think 2018 ought to be a year where this church reads the word, gets in the word, resolve to get in the word. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I want to do better. Yeah. Not only that, but the word of God is very important, but prayer is very important, like I said in our look back, looking ahead. Let's, let's dedicate ourselves to praying in greater ways in 2018. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us, turn to your neighbor and tell him now he's talking to us. 
Let us do what? Hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. That means you cannot kneel down and say, Lord, you just don't understand what I'm going through. That's what that verse means. God knows exactly where you are because Jesus is our great high priest. He was taken out from among men. And in verse 16 it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Somebody say amen. I think this is an important part of prayer and it's boldness. I think that really needs to change in 2018. That this church gets a fresh resolve to pray boldly. To pray boldly. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Let's go on. So let's be thankful, people. Uh, Colossians 4 and 2 says continue in prayer. Everybody say continue in prayer. Everybody say, continue in prayer. We've heard that you need to come boldly and you must continue in prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 19, quench not the spirit. Why don't we make a resolve in this coming year that we pray boldly and we make up our minds not to quench the operation of the Holy Ghost. Have you ever thought, well, I wish God would move? Well, you know, the command of Scripture is don't quench the moving of the Spirit. Let me ask you something. Who's quenched you? Notice the Bible didn't tell me don't stop somebody else from worshiping God. The Bible didn't say don't stop Mariah from getting her blessing. It says don't stop the operation of the Spirit. Fact of the matter is nobody can shut you down when you're having a spiritual blessing. The Bible tells me not to quench the operation of the Spirit. In every service, I don't want to be the one that hinders the moving of the work of God. I'd like to have us, uh, I'd like to see us have great revival and continue in great revival. Paul says, don't quench the spirit. Let the spirit have its way in people. Pray and pray boldly. Somebody say amen. That's very, very important. And then, in fact, I think that perhaps Daniel's custom ought to be our custom in 2018. Look at this, Daniel. And I've skipped one verse, one scripture reading, and we'll get to that some other time. But in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, I want you to look at this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, do you know what he's talking about? Anybody remember what Daniel, the writing Daniel knew was signed? What was the writing? What did the king make a law? What did he make? Come on, all you Sunday school teachers. You know Daniel in the lion's den. Why was he in there? Couldn't worship any other being but the king. Isn't that correct? And the king made it in writing that you could not pray. 
And once Daniel knew the writing was signed into law, basically the Senate just passed it, the House, the representatives sent it to the Senate, the Senate passed it, it got on the president's desk, and the president signed it. And when Daniel knew it was signed, you know what he did? There it is. He went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And this is the, after the comma is some very important words. As he did aforetime. That means he didn't get stirred up when the king passed the law. He didn't go through every day just who cares, I'm not going to pray now. And then all of a sudden Washington passed some law and now he's at the church every day, all day. No, Daniel was praying three times a day before the law ever happened. See, this tells me about consistency. It says ought to be the same thing every day whether Washington likes it or not, whether Springfield likes it or not. Oh, I know. 9-11 was a horrible day in 2001. It was a terrible day, a day that lives in infamy. But one thing it did do, I saw more signs about God. I saw more signs about prayer. I saw people going to church that hadn't been to church in a long time. Why is it that when Washington does something, we all get stirred up? We ought to be like Daniel that says, you know what, I'm going to pray even when I don't feel like praying. I'm just... Oh. Yes, oh yes, oh yes. I'm getting stirred up, man. I need to take a blood pressure pill or something. I'll say this. It kind of stirs me a little bit. When I know people have a decision to make and I see them all of a sudden alter their life, now it's time to pray. Now they're at prayer meeting. Now I drive up to the church and there are vehicles at the church because I've got a job opportunity. I've got to really pray now. No, what about when everything's going good? Why isn't there that last part of that scripture in our lives? As he did aforetime, he just kept on doing what he had always been doing. Faithful in the few things, I make you what? Ruler of many. You know why the Lord showed up in the lion's den? Because Daniel kept doing exactly what he had always been doing. See, we live our lives like we're spiritually, like we're cramming for a final exam. Oh, I don't have time. I got too much to do, Pastor. I can't hardly make, I can't, you just best be glad I even come to church. And Oh, wait a minute. The doctor calls you back and says, we've got some serious things to discuss about your report. And you go haywire. I'm trying to imitate haywire. Oh, Brother Gene, I don't know what to think. They call me. Oh, my God, I'm about to die. I'm going to plan my funeral. <laughs> yeah. Your life all of a sudden is drastically changed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, all of a sudden, now God's important. Now church is important. Now the job doesn't matter. Now all of a sudden you're cooking supper for your family. Oh, you're not hearing me. Life changes now. Who cares if I don't get that job finished up? I'm going home to be with my family. Because I got months to live. 
I'm going to really pray now. I'm going to seek God now. Listen, folks. God shows up in the fire with people that are faithful when the fire's not burning. You're, you're always saying, well, I, God didn't show up. Well, maybe it's because you've been AWOL for five years. And all of a sudden, you thought cramming for the exam was going to help you pass the test. Cramming doesn't work. I don't know about you, but when they throw me in the lion's den, I want him showing up. When they throw me in the fire, I want him showing up. So when life's going good and all the sweets from and all the fudge is on the counter and, life, and the job's good and the family's good, and you know what? Three, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep reading the word because there's going to come a day when I'm going to start drawing on the bank of heaven. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm laying up treasure because there's going to come a day I'm going to need a withdrawal and I better have something there. I'm going to say something else to you. This is not in my notes, but I want to tell you something. You decide in your own heart and mind that you're going to rob God. I want to tell you something. God's going to get it out of you. I've seen in 25 years of pastoring, I've seen people get rebellious with God and rob him, and I've watched God get it somehow. Oh, absolutely. You better hear what this preacher's telling you. We can't just serve God when it starts raining. We got to get on the ark long before the rain ever starts coming down. We got to make sure we're dedicated long before the storm winds start blowing. Hey, why was, well, it's just like the Lord of his life. Come on, musicians. I don't even, Sister Sherry, just you, I guess. We'll, we'll try to sing something. I don't even know what we'd sing, but uh, maybe. Oh, there's one on there. It's pretty good. Just number two would be good. Listen now. Why is Paul in the middle of a in the middle of a storm and he's on a ship? He's on a ship and the ship is being broken up. And everybody's freaked out. <laughs> I know I can't be I, I'm trying to be a freaked out woman and I just can't be that. You just feel like going, straighten up. Here's Paul. The ship's breaking up. Listen. And everybody's freaking out. I got some converts back there I hear. Everybody's freaking out. And Paul said, hold on. Don't do yourselves any harm. Cool out. Take a chill pill. Why are you freaked? That's not the KJV version. But he went on to say, the angel of the Lord stood by me last night. <laughs> and if you stay with this ship, nobody's going to be lost. That's how you get peace in the middle of the storm. I don't find Paul saying, oh, I better get to praying because I kind of been, go- I went to Hawaii. I went to, you know, I went to Jamaica. I've been to uh, South Florida. I went to the beach. I went to Disneyland. I just kind of might oh, man, I'm in a storm. I better pray. No, no. Paul's Lord was the same one that was in a storm, and he was asleep in the bottom of the ship. See, that's what happens to people that know God. Even in the storm, And Daniel prayed three times a day, just as he had before.
doesn't make any difference what law they pass. I'm going to keep on doing what I know to do. That's the kind of people that God meets in the lion's den. And all night long, Daniel's in the lion's den. I'm not sure how any of us would fare in there. The Bible doesn't even tell us what happened in that lion's den. But the next morning, we find the king running quickly to that lion's den and saying, Oh, Daniel, calling for Daniel. Oh, are you still alive? Is your God still real? And Daniel was still alive the next morning. I want to tell you, there's some storms in your life that are going to try to kill you. And the only way you're going to make it through the lion's den is to keep on being faithful in the things you know to do even when the sun is shining. And Daniel prayed as he had before. Nothing changed. Oh, Lord, let that be our lives. That the doctor's report doesn't make any change in our lives because we're living the way we're supposed to be right now. See, this is what I'm talking about in 2018. I think we ought to be resolved to be closer to God. Secondly, I think we ought to resolve to be closer to one another. You're going to hear some more about this. I think it's important that we resolve to be closer to one another. 3 John verse 14. There's only one chapter, so there's chapter 1 verse 14. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Call their name. It'd be all right to know everybody's name in the church. Oh, Brother Gene, I don't know if I can do that. You know what? At one time, God winked in ignorance. You can download an app right now. It's called Breeze, church management software. Our church is on it. Everybody's ever walked through the door of this church, their name is on it. Most of them's pictures on there. You know what? If you don't know somebody's name, you can go down the list and say, well, who's that? Punch on their name. It'll bring their picture up. You can walk in next week and say, you know what? I met you on Breeze last week. <laughs> so we don't have any excuses. Anybody, anybody hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, sometimes I even call my twins by the wrong name. You know who you are. I'm not saying there'll be a test or a quiz with this. You know, okay, everybody's got a name, every saint. No, but I think we ought to care about one another so that we. 1 Peter 4 and 9 says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now that's crazy. Hospitality and grudging in the same verse. Think about that. Hospitality, that means be hospitable. Invite somebody to your house. Take them out to lunch. Go out on Sunday afternoon with them to the Mexican restaurant. But there's a key word at the end, without grudging. Now, how can I be hospitable? And the command say, don't be grudging that. You know what it is? All of us say, you know what? I could be mowing the yard right now. I could be mending that fence right now. I could be putting up that gate right now. I could be washing my kid's car right now. But here I am 
having hot dogs with a bunch of saints around a campfire. Just think of all the things I could be doing. That's exactly what that verse is saying. Don't begrudge being hospitable. I don't have time for you. I got time for work. I got time for my own family, but I don't have time for the rest of you. What is that saying? Be hospitable without grudging. In fact, let me ask you, and God forbid that I I know most of you really well. We've all grown up together. God forbid that I'd have to walk down to your pew and look you in the eye and say, now wait a minute, I know how much time you've spent doing fill in the blank. And I see how little time you are with God's people. Let me, let, me, let me translate it. Listen, if I went in the summer, spring training in May, March, February, whenever it is, I went to Florida every day. And I was with the car. I got signatures. I'd come back on Sunday and I'd say, I've got all of you signed baseballs and signed hats. And then when St. Louis comes to town and they start the season, I go to every game. And I miss some Sundays to go to, you know what I'm saying to this church? The Cardinals are more important than this church. That's what I'm saying. Let's resolve in 2018 to get closer to the family of God. And you know why? (laughs) You're the ones I'm going to heaven with. I better get to liking you and loving you and spending time with you. You know why? Because if the Lord comes, we're going to be spending eternity together. It doesn't mean we got to have some fancy dinner. It just means ministering to somebody, loving somebody, going to the mall with somebody. Who we on that? Shop at Amazon on your computer together. You don't have to go anywhere. Just, hey, we're having a get online Amazon, get on Amazon party at my house. Eight of us, we're going to sit around and order stuff from Amazon. Don't spend as much gas, do you? Don't have to worry about anybody running into you. Hello? I think I'm going to have a work party. Hey, come over. There's some wood to cut. And you know what? I think we ought to resolve to get to know people that do not know God better. Galatians 6 and 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Somebody say all men. Especially unto them that are of the household of faith. I want to say something right here, right now. There, There is no place for us abusing one another who are in the household of faith. There is no place for you taking advantage of somebody financially that goes to church with you. Of of all people, you ought to go overboard and do things right with. It ought to be the people in the household of faith. You should not take advantage of church people just because you go to church with them. And there's been churches gotten a lot of trouble because they didn't treat one another right. Well, I need you to co-sign with me. Uh oh. You don't know what kind of mess people can get in when they start taking advantage of each other. 
Matt doesn't know it, but I pray for him a lot. Well, he probably needs to know it. I pray for him a lot. You know, Matt runs a business. Matt has a successful business. And you know what? He employs a lot of church people. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because say the business starts going south, and it's not. But say the business, some accounts start shutting down. He's got to let somebody go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've got to have an understanding that we, we don't do certain things because we are of the household of faith. We got to, And you say, well, he can't lay me off because I go to church with him. Oh, no, it's just like any other job. We're going to love one another. We're going to respect one another. If work uh, plays out, we got to let somebody go. Then it's nothing personal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? we got to treat one another with respect. Well, I need to borrow $100. Well, you better pay it back. You'll pay the bank because they'll come after your hide. But that old saint, they're going to worship with you for the next 15 years and you still owe them $100. Uh-oh. I got to meddling now. I was preaching about losing weight, getting more organized. Now I went to meddling. Treat the people in the house of God right. Don't take advantage of anybody. I could say a lot about gossip. I could say a lot about tail-bearing. I could say a lot about busybodies. I could say a lot about keeping your, uh, well, well, enough said. You know what I'm talking about. Paul said, be good to all men. Somebody say all men. I need to build relationships with people that don't know the Lord. I know I've heard it before and I'm closing. I want the Lord to help us tonight. I want us to resolve to see greater things in 2018. But I want to close with this. We had a few block parties a few years ago. And we had, you know, a couple thousand people on this property on a Saturday afternoon on Sunday. And, and people had block parties for churches. And they said, oh, what you need to do, what you need to do is when you get all those people on the property and you go to their house and you invite them and you tell them free food and free giveaways and all these jumps for the kids and all these games for the teenagers, what you do is when they get there, you set up a stage and you preach to them. And I said, oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. Well, why not? You got your opportunity. Yeah, and if I go tell them, that we're going to have an outside church service, then it's okay. But if I don't tell them the whole story and they show up for food and a few prizes and their kids to play for a few hours and all of a sudden they see me, they realize, uh-oh, uh-oh, I just got sucker punched. Yeah, yeah, they do this at the timeshare places. Come for three days, two nights <laughs> on us. Oh, yeah, and you get there, uh, Oh, we didn't tell you? You got to sit through a 30-minute presentation. A high-pressure salesman. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Yeah, I don't think the church ought to be doing that. If we're going to get them to church, we're going to get them to church. In other words, what are you saying, Pastor? I do not believe this business. I've got to win them to me before I win them to Jesus. You know why? Because that's an ulterior motive. You're not being sincere with them. If you don't love them for who they are, well, you're not hearing me now. Well, if I, well I've got to meet my neighbors because I want to win them to the Lord. No, you're not concerned about it. You need to pray for a love for people that do not know the Lord. 
And what would be amazing if they would call you and say, you know what, I met a lot of church people and the minute I didn't go to church, they dropped me like a hot potato. But you're different than them. You love me anyway. That's what ought to be happening in this church. Uh, people can smell a high-pressure salesman. They can smell a snake oil salesman. Yeah, if you're peddling something, they'll know it. Why don't we just love people? Why don't we do what we've been commanded to do and just love people? I've skipped a bunch of scriptures, Casey. You've, you've, you've been a champ tonight. Thank you. I've skipped all around. kind of. St- she can tell you I didn't stick to my notes too good. But I'm going to James 4. I better pick up my glasses or I'll step on them. My preaching will be over. I felt that. Somebody said, oh, step on them, preacher. James 4, 13. Go to now you to say today and tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Listen, be careful when you start saying, oh, next year I'll do this and do that. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live, do this, or do that. You know what's amazing to me? You'll hear more about it Sunday. Here's the epitaph of Methuselah. Does anybody know Methuselah? He lived 969 years. He's, he lived longer than anybody else. And in 969 years, you would think that dude would have done one thing that could have been mentioned by the author of Scripture. One thing. But in 969 years, all he did was live and die. All it says about Methuselah, the days of Methuselah were 969 years. That's like me living my whole life and somebody saying at my funeral, well, he lived 72 years. You're all dismissed. What? You mean to tell me you lived all your life and did nothing? You know what? Let's let 2018 be a year that we do something for God. We do something for His kingdom. Oh, come on, let's stand together. Let's love the Lord right now. Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands right now and ask the Lord, Lord, help me, Lord, to be what you want me to be in this coming year. Lord, as we close out 2017, Lord, as we move on to a brand new year, help me to be resolved to draw closer to you, to draw closer to my brothers and sisters, and to draw closer to those that do not know you. And there are a number of ways I can do that that we've investigated tonight. But Lord, let the seed of this word plant be planted in somebody's heart tonight. Let them dedicate themselves to pray more in 2018. To read your word consistently and faithfully in 2018. Lord, that in the midst of the storm, we'd be hidden with Christ in God. Lord, that when the doctor calls, Lord, we don't have a trial of faith, Lord. That when we get a bad report or we go through a storm in our family, that we don't throw 
up our hands and say, you know, I should have known God was going to fail me. No, Lord, you've never failed me yet, and you'll never start failing me now. Lord, you're going to be faithful just as you have been faithful. And now, Lord, help us as your people not to just get serious about you when our lives are in an uproar, but help us to pray just as we have before to love you just as we have yesterday, to love others just as we have. Let us be consistent, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.